0: Hey, on today's episode, Lublin versus Peshischa, we examine the deep ideological underpinnings and passionate divide between the seer of Lublin and the teachings of Peshischa and the inaugural story taught to all incoming students of Rabbi Bonim. I'm Moshe Shomran and this is the Chavusa podcast, an exploration of timeless wisdom and ideas that have guided some of history's greatest men and women for over 3000 years. First thing that they would teach in Peshischa anytime a new student would come to learn from the Rebbe or Bonim, you'd begin the education by telling him the following story. We have it at multiple sources. You would say over this the story, the story of Isaac of Krakow. Isaac, the son of Yechilash and Krakow. Krakow is probably a four or five-hour wagon drive from Peshyshka. Krakow was the big city. And Isaac was repeatedly having dreams that he should go to Prague. Prague, another multi-hour journey. And there in the courtyard, under a bridge, he would dig and find his treasure, become rich. So he, after a couple dreams, he's a poor Jew, so he goes out to Prague and there's Soldier standing near the the bridge so he can't uh, start digging. After a while, one night, he approaches and starts digging in the darkness. But he spotted the captain. Sees a Jew hanging around, loitering with a shovel. What's going on? So yeah. Isaac fesses up, tells him the whole story. And the guard laughs and says, who believes dreams? I believe, or I dream, that uh, in a small town in the Crockett, a small House in Krakow is a Jew named Isaac, son of Ychilosh, that has treasure underneath his floor. You think I'm going to now travel to Krakow to go get the floor? And Isaac hears these words and he understands this purpose of coming. The whole purpose of the trip was to hear those words to realize that the treasure was in his own house. He just got to go and find it deep within. So the rebel would look at the new student and say, You think you're coming here? To find treasures, to find the great wisdom, to learn deep Torah from the tzaddik, from the Rebbe. No, no, the treasure is not found external from you, but it's inside yourself. You just got to search and dig, find it within yourself. Make that effort and you'll find it. He would conclude with the verse, verse in the Torah. Ki kare ve'ilecha hadavr me'ayit Verse in Deuteronomy. For the matter is very close to you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart to do it. You would say literally right next to you, it's literally right there, mamash. Legend has it that the one functioning shul today in Krakow, you go to Poland, that has daily services, is called the Isaac Shul. It's called the Isaac Shul because Isaac, after discovering that windfall of money underneath his floorboard, he built a synagogue, became a wealthy philanthropist, and synagogue till today is known as the Isaac Shul. So one thing from the story for sure, like the Reverend Rebunim taught, is that the truth lies within one's own self. And you don't find truth by imitating somebody else, no matter how pious and how holy they are, but by going inside your own inner being. It also reveals the definition of what does it mean to be authentic, authenticity. That it's not. Authenticity doesn't just mean self-indulgence. Do whatever you want. I'm being authentic to myself. And I'm just going to go out and do whatever my bodily urge is. But rather, it's discovering. It's the process of discovering the treasure within. Or you got to reveal the treasure. You can't reveal the grime and the grim. Grime and the grim of the materialistic and lustful drives that can at times guise themselves in a veneer of, of being true to yourself. In order to fully understand Peshiska and the school of thought, the story really has to begin with the Chayza. Chayza of Lublin, the seer of Lublin, Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak Halevi Horowitz, who lived between 1745 and 1815, he was really the dominant personality in Poland. In the golden age of Polish Jewry that was the 18th century. The Chayza of Lublin was, if not the, definitely a dominant personality. Pashischa ends up breaking off from Lublin with the Yehudi, who was the primary disciple of the Chayza. Well, at the time, they would say all roads led to Lublin. All Jewish roads led to Lublin. Later, it would be the site of the yeshiva, or Mayor Shapiro, starting Yeshiva's Chachme, Lublin. And dating back already to the 1500s, 1600s, the great luminaries, the Jewish luminaries that put their roots in Lublin. Shleima Luria, the Marshal, Yamshal Shleima, Chachma Shleima, the works that he's famous for in the 1500s, one of the greatest post and teachers of his generation and subsequent generations, the Maram, Rabbi Yaakov Palak, Rabbi Shalom Shachna, who are the teachers of the Rama. So tremendous, great people lived in Lublin and what was it about having tremendous people in a town that all roads led to Lublin, that people were drawn to it. What is it? So if you think perhaps you could suggest, and so argues Dr. Rosen in the book quest for authenticity, that many people are unable to recognize greatness. Yeah, this person's nice. This person's great. Everybody's great. Sure. Other people, it could be a very disconcerting experience. When you realize that you're in the presence of somebody that strips away your false self-image and you come into contact with something that is truly good, that stands above you and beyond you and within you. And coming in direct contact with this greatness. It's an experience that it's hard to understand it or articulate. And it has to be that way. All right, All you know is that once you leave, you have an awareness that you've touched something that defies explanation. That doesn't fit very neatly into a category of easy perception. So you could stand there. Being provoked to the very core of your being by standing in the presence of somebody, he or she, without, from from without you. It's that experience of realizing that this person is so in tune with their inner essence. They're so true to themselves. They're so genuine. They're so real. Their greatest dreams are also in sync with that small inner voice within that challenges you. There's a powerful draw to people that are showing up authentically, that are, are there, they're, they're synchronized in who they are, who they wanna be, and the pretenses are off, and the multiple agendas or angles or projections that are trying to be put off are non-existent, and people could just be who they are and be, be pushed, be challenged, to become to close that gap even more, Rabbanim would tell the following story about the Chayza, Chayza of Lublin. That when he first moved to town, the local rabbi at the time was challenged and distressed that the Chaza was moving in, super popular, drawing perhaps congregants or followers away. And he went to the cho- to the choza, very transparent, and said, "Listen, like I was here and." Your popularity is drawing away from my my crowd, so the chosel looks at him and he says, "Like, what can I do? Like, I I, I hear I hear what you're saying. Um, I'm not going to move away, but like, whatever whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, I'll come out and say it." Okay, so the rabbi says, "Next time on the following Shabbat, get up in synagog." And tell everyone that you're not a leader, that you're not a rabbi. you're not a rabbi, you're not here, you're just doing your own thing, and uh, you're not you're not open for business, you're not open for followers. So the Chose says, "Okay, I'll do it." He gets up the next shop, and with a broken heart, with genuine humility. He apologizes to the people, and he says, "Listen, people, I'm I'm a limited person. I'm not a." Leader, I'm not a great Rebbe. I'm not a anything fantastic. I'm just a regular person trying to be my best version of myself. And he gives this speech, and the people there, the followers, are are enraptured, and they're they're pumped. They're like, "Wow, this person's amazing!" And even more, they become even more devoted to to the Chosa. and he. More people are are hearing about him. And the rabbi goes back to the Chose and he says, well, okay, bad strategy. That didn't work out. Uh, Could you do me a favor next Shabbos, when you get up in Shul, do the opposite. Talk about how you're a great person, you're a great leader, you're a huge Hasidic rabbi, you're going to change the world. Go out there and, and, you know, try the opposite version and see maybe that will uh, detract people. Maybe uh, that'll work. And the Chozah looks at him and he says, listen, it's true. I'm not anything great. I'm not a rabbi. So I could go up there and give that speech, but I'm not a liar. How can I go out and now say I'm a righteous person? I'm great. That's the opposite. And it's this humility and this piercing honesty. Another occasion, the Hosea of Lublin was quoted saying, Woe to the generation that I am the Rebbe of that generation. I so said, That, that. Piercing truth is the context of where Pachyska comes out. And the truth is, there's no end to somebody that's humble. There's no end to the depths of that humility. And people are attracted to that. People want that. People want that rawness. They want the realness. So it makes sense why Polish following of the Chosa exploded. is people were searching. People were searching to be in the presence of somebody. That you feel there's something real there. You feel there's genuine connection. And this path really led to the Chosa's second strong feature, Number one was his truth and humility. Number two, he talked a lot about ayin, in Hebrew, ayin, insignificance. And he believed that the closer you came to the realization of truth, to the realization of creation, to the realization of spirituality, of Hashem, the more it aroused in yourself this feeling of and this feeling of insignificance. And the more enormous the opportunity, the more you realize the, the stakes, the more cautious you become, the more humbled you become. And at the same time, simultaneously, the more imperative to act on that, the more there is to be done, the more enormous the stakes, the more vital it is to to go out there and, and accomplish. With this, it's also understood another teaching of the Chosa of Lublin, the seer of Lublin. He would teach that every person has to renew, be mechadesh, be re-inspired every single day. He said that you have to walk every day and imagine that you have not achieved or accomplished anything yet in your entire life, that today is like your first day. Right. And the more you do this, the more you do it the next day because the more it becomes the task to imagine that you haven't done anything. And each day compounds, the interest compounds, and the more the, the more you're accomplishing, the more you're working on yourself to start again anew. And each start again anew becomes that much more powerful. For somebody who's nine years old and starting anew, okay, big whoop. But when you're the Chos of Lublin and you're each day starting as if you've accomplished nothing, it creates this tremendous momentum. And from this would logically follow the school of thought in Peshischa. So for example, Peshischa teaches that if a person is serving God the same way today than they did yesterday, in the same fashion today, than yesterday, then you've fallen. It's not that you've maintained your level, but you've receded. You've gone backwards. The fact that you're just merely repeating something today detracts and diminishes the value of the day before because you always have to become instead of to stand. And if you're not becoming, that in itself is a regression. So the overlap between Lublin and Peshisqa that was born out of it is clear. But where was the divide? Where did it break off? Where was the differences between Lublin and Peshisqa that really forced Peshisqa in an entire new direction? It could be said that the key difference, that the Chosa, the Chosa of Lublin, who loved every Jew so deeply, and very similar contemporary, the Bardichev, Blavatskyka Bardichev, that because their love for each Jew was so strong, and they were unwilling, unwilling to remove their attention from the very last one of them, the very least one of them, and they were incredibly impactful, in arousing every single, the pentalia, every single. Spark within every Jew. But. As soon as. They awoke. As soon as those sparks. Awoke. They fell back. Fell back into slumber. Because they were very dependent. On the leader. Very dependent on the Chosa. On the Baradet On these great luminaries. And they would go there. And they would get inspired, but inspiration has a way of waning. And for Peshischa, the Yehudi, the Rebbe the Kotzker, they were unable to bear that, they were unable to bear that low spiritual state that is momentarily inflamed. But they had that, that burning desire. That every single person should have an empowerment to find in the very essence of their own personality to go out and and be the best they could be, to inspire themselves that it should be a, a self-empowered pursuit. And this was the great divide between Lublin and Peshischa. In the world of Lublin, Chosa, the Baradet they they understood the role of of the leader, of the tzaddik, of the Rebbe, as being very limited, the select few, the highest of the high of levels, that are actually metaphysically different, that they've reached incredible heights, that they can uplift, they can inspire, they can advocate, they could be the interface for every Jew out there, no matter how far, no matter how, how uh, distant they might feel. But for peshischa, you don't need an intermediary. You don't need to hang out to somebody else's coattails. To jump in to learn a page of Gemara, to learn a page of Talmud. To daven, to experience Shabbos. You don't need to do it vicariously. That would be absurd. You jump in on your own. Now, to be clear, this divide between Chos and peshischa was not personal in the slightest. The Yehudi, after he left Lublin, would co- consistently protest that he had not left Lublin. He never. He wasn't leaving the Chose, he wasn't leaving the seer. And in fact, throughout his life, he would go back and visit. Because he considered the Chose his rabbi, his personal rabbi. It wasn't something personal, it was ideological. And for the Chose, for the seer of Lublin, who sees his student breaking off and, and starting his own thing. He was very, he was hurt. He was hurt. And the story goes is that he, he asked, he told his student, the Yehudi, he said, I, I believe a hundred percent in your purity of intentions, but I want to ask you not to keep coming back to Lublin because there's so much tension generated by the opponents, by your opponents here in Lublin and, by my opponents it's like, let's not, let's just make a, a clean brick. And the Yehudi responds, he says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Like, you're my teacher. I'm coming back. I want to learn from you. Uh, this is like if other people want to talk and they want, like, I, I got to do what I got to do. But philosophically, there there is this gap, which is also a really cool feature in that you won't see anything in Peshisqa and Kotsk in the Yehudi Kabbalistic notions. You won't see esoteric Kabbalah, which is very, very heavy in Lublin, in the Chosa, in other Hasidic sources, probably of Barditchev, probably Melech of very heavy on the Kabbalah. Because a, a huge part of the Kabbalistic notions of understanding. The divine of understanding divinity of understanding the role of the tzaddik of the leader within that esoteric divine realm for peshisra. it wasn't really that enticing because for them the gateway is personal humility personal authenticity breaking your ego being real with yourself being genuine therefore, the esoteric notions of what exactly is the role of the tzaddik, is the role understanding the different names of Hashem, doesn't really have that much day-to-day import on, am I being a more genuine person today than I was yesterday? Am I being less lazy, less egotistical? The way Rabbi Dr. Rosen spells it out is that in most of the Hasidic world, in Lublin, etc., the world was full of holy sparks. It was an unreal mirage that we, humans, act in the world to uplift these holy sparks. To realize the ideal. Whereas in Peshysko, it's the opposite. It's profoundly different. The world's not full of holy sparks, not an unreal image. Not to bring heaven down to earth, but it's to idealize the real. Not to realize the ideal, but to idealize the real. While the Choz of Lublin was focused on repairing the celestial world, Peshiska was focused on repairing the terrestrial one. Celestial versus terrestrial as a tongue twister. Everybody, you got everybody believed in bringing the world to, to its fullest, Tikkun its fullest rectification. But which world, the celestial one or the one terrestrial, the one relating to the world we live in? Practical difference, pragmatic difference would be, what if drawing upon the wells of your own authenticity, your own knowledge, your own experience, your own yashrus, your own feeling of of sense of of what's right, you come to a different conclusion of your teacher. In Lublin, the hierarchy meant that, no, this is a one-way street. It It starts from above, it starts from, the leader, the rabba, and it comes down and filters down to below. And there's no way to have autonomy from the Tzaddik. Whereas in Peshizka, no. that's Not only is that okay, but that's encouraged to draw your own conclusions, to create your own path, to be authentic. So Peshischa really exists in a middle ground. It's in between the mystic and in between the person who's given up, who's apathetic. right? The mystic, that transcendental figure, and the person that is down on themselves and what could I do? I can't do anything on my own, so I need to attach to something beyond myself. Comes Peshischa with demands and says, you as a human being, in order, the very definition of a human has to be that you're seeking, that you're striving, that you're ambitious, that you're aiming for something, that you're dreaming of something. But it also has to be that you're seeking something within reach. Back to the peshistra of Kikarovadrama ma'od, it's right there, it's right there, Mamash right is right there next to you. It's within reach. But you gotta drive it on your own. Nobody's gonna hand it to you. And that's Peshistra. That the drama of becoming yourself is focused squarely on you, on the individual. And you are the author of your own destiny. Sure, there's great need to have your own rabbi. You need a rabbi. Of course you need a rabbi. The Yehudi never gave up his affiliation with the Chose of Lublin. Even though he disagreed with him on the definition of what a rabbi should be, but he identified that, Chose, you're my rabbi. But the rabbi... Is not an intermediary, but a, a paradigm, a living paradigm that endeavors to help students find their own potential, find their own uniqueness. Under no circumstances do you nullify your own personality or responsibility to your rabbi. No, 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 no. Don't nullify your own things and, oh, I'll just ask the rabbi whatever the rabbi says. It's there to help you. Develop your own sense of judgment, your own sense of discrimination, your own sense of autonomy. And if you can't accept that responsibility for yourself, then you can't fit into Peshushka. That was the gap. And that is really where Peshisla came to fill it in. A heavy focus on learning. A heavy focus on self-growth. Looking around at the time, feeling that the level of learning, the level of personal empowerment, the level of people going out there and taking responsibility, taking a Christ was at an all time low, comes Pashisko with this movement, not a mass movement, because the mass movement is what they were coming against, because mass movements always have these externalities and trappings. And you sort of are being drawn to the movement instead of to yourself. So, that rejuvenation that Pashiska is looking for from top to bottom, all across the spectrum, every single individual, that quest for authenticity. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Harusa. If you enjoyed, it before you even subscribe and rate a five stars and review and all that, and listen to the other episodes, please reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts, connections, ideas, questions, critiques. My number is 347 893 4467, at gmail.com or across social media channels. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, overflowing with happiness.